emphasize the scripture reading. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. I like to use a biblical illustration. Imagine a young shepherd, boy, maybe 18, 19, coming back from the field of battle, a sword in his right hand, and the cut-off head of Goliath in his left hand, still dripping with blood because he just cut it off. Do you see the picture? And I say this is a classical illustration that our battle is not against the flesh. Well, the flesh is involved, but that's postscript. Footnote with small letters. But in order to understand this, we have to reread the story slowly. Now, you remember Israel was camping on one side of the valley, on the mountainside, the Philistines on the other side, and Goliath was coming out day after day after day, challenging the entire nation of Israel. Send one man who is willing to fight with me. Morning and evening. Morning and evening. And nobody volunteered. Now, this was going on for 40 days, the scripture says, brethren. You know the story. I am just repeating. But why was it so? Remember, the battle is spiritual. The physicals are consequential things, but postscripts, small print at the footnote. A little bit earlier, Saul was asked to destroy the Amalekite. You remember the story. I'm just refreshing your memory. The Lord told him, destroy everything. Don't spare anything. Ah, but the cattle, the cows, the sheep, they saved the best. And when Samuel came, Saul says, oh, I have performed the Lord's commandment. Uh, turn with me. We have to read this. That's one of the most important chapters in the Old Testament, 
I said one of the most important because it describes the nature of this conflict. You may see a dripping blood here cut off, but it's still spiritual conflict, brethren. Now, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And the Lord is speaking to Samuel, verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandment. Do you see the two things attached to each other? He has not performed my commandment. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. I don't know what he was praying, but the scripture says he prayed all night, brethren. All night. After all, he anointed Saul. Verse 12, and then when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul and uh, was told that Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed and set up a monument for himself. Absalom did that too later, you remember, and others, setting up a monument. And he was gone I went down to Gilgal. Verse 13. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. What is self-deception? Verse 14. And Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ear, and the lowing of the oxen I hear. And Saul says, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Now, brethren, all the sheep, the oxen, the goat, everything was spoiled. You don't sacrifice something that is not yours. It was not theirs. They didn't raise those cattle. Really wasn't theirs. Doubly not, because the Lord says destroy. So they had a minus double ownership, if you care to understand. Minus double ownership. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet. I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. Verse 17. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the 
tribe of Israel. And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord has sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed or exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you not swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? <coughs> and Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, the king of the Amalekites. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Now that was a false statement. Definitely a false statement. But the people took the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, the beast, and things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Again, I repeat, brethren, if it's not mine, I cannot make a sacrifice. It was not. So now comes a very important statement. Verse 22. 1 Samuel Chapter 15, verse 22. Then Samuel said, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rare. To obey is better than sacrifice. Brethren, let's take these words to heart. To obey is better than anything else. There is no comparison. And if you have a pen, underline it. If you have a colored pen, color it. Verse 23 is extremely important, extremely important. For rebellion is as sin as witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. This is number one in the conversation. Number one rejection. <coughs> Verse 24. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord and your word, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now let's stop for a moment, brethren. Let's Let's be serious. 
We live in a serious time. We cannot be superficial, correct? He said, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. If you turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Chapter 21, and I'll read verse 8. Chapter 21, verse 8. It gives a list who will not enter the city. (coughs) That's okay. But the cowardly unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns, and so on and so on. Who is leading the list? Those who are afraid. It says the fearful, the coward, or brethren, It is a sin not to believe that the Lord will protect when he promises us to protect. It is no excuse. Verse 25, going back to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 25. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. This is the second time in this conversation, the Lord says, second time, I have rejected you. Please notice, it's very important. Then as Samuel turned around and to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. Verse 28. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Third time. Thank you. Third time, the Lord says, the kingdom is taken away. It might help. Thank you. Now, brethren... When in a short conversation, within a few minutes, the prophet of the Lord says that your kingdom is taken from you. Do you believe that it is so? I hope you do. I hope you do, whether you see it or not. When the word of God says it is taken, it is taken. 
Uh, I like the story. I don't know if I can take time. You know, I started late. And it's not my fault, okay? God sent Samuel to Bethlehem to anoint a new king. I love the story. It's so beautiful. People are scared, but Samuel says, don't get scared. Everything is okay. Just we sacrifice. And uh, as uh, gentlemen of the houses, bring your sons in. And as the first son walks before Samuel, Samuel looks at him. Oh, I'm sure the Lord's anointed in front of me. He's healthy, good-looking. But the Lord says, what did the Lord tell him? Don't look at his outward look. Because the Lord looks at what is in the heart. He is not my choice. Then came the second son, saying, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and seven sons walked by, and none qualified. Samuel, in desperation, says, Did you still have a son? And what was the answer? Yes, a little boy keeping the sheep out there. <laughs> and Samuel says, We will not go to sit down until you bring him in. And when David came in, the Lord says, this is him. And he anointed him. But you read in Patriots and Prophets that it was done in secret because Saul would have killed Samuel and, and the entire family. So it, the first anointing was done in secret. But was it effective, brethren? When the Lord says so, it was, whether the nation knew it or not, that's not the issue. The issue is what the word of God says. Are you with me so far? So, now we go back to the original story. Israel is on one side of the mountain, the Philistines on the other side of the mountain, and Goliath comes out day after day after day, and he says, let's not fight, let's not all the people fight, just, just let's agree that if I win, you serve us, if your champion wins, we serve you, and they agree to. But what was the problem, brethren? What was the problem? There was no volunteer from Israel. For, uh, do you know how many people gathered together in that army? 200,000, if you read the scriptures. That's a pretty big crowd, is that correct? 200,000. And from history... Abner was a very, very able general. But he didn't have the courage either. Saul was one head taller than anybody in Israel. But he didn't have the courage. 
because there was no anointed king. There was no anointed king known. And finally, the Lord sends this little shepherd, what his father sends him. He says, son, go bring some food to your brothers. Three of your older brothers are in the army. And see how they are doing. So David goes. And he hears Goliath come out. And you remember how his older brother chastises him. His older brother chastises him. Wasn't Jesus chastised by his brothers? I mean, from the home of Joseph. Yes, he was. But, let's read the story because it's very important. Uh, I read in First Samuel, Chapter 17, and I read from verse 40. I have to abbreviate it. I have to abbreviate it. So, 1 Samuel 17, verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd bag in the pouch and he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him and when the Philistine looked and saw David, <clears throat> he disdained him, for he was but a youth, also a good-looking youth, a good-looking youth. Verse 43, And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? And the Philistine Cursed David by his gods. This is a spiritual conflict, brethren. A spiritual conflict. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give you my, your flesh to the birds and the beasts of the field. Now, listen to the answer. Listen to the answer. Verse 45, And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. 
and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and then all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by a sword, a spear. The battle is the Lord and he will give you into my hand. Amen. Now brethren, David spoke as an anointed king. Are you with me? Anointed king. His words are today in the Holy Scripture as the words of the Lord. Are you with me so far? Two prophecies were announced. Goliath says, I will give your body to the birds. David says, oh, oh, no, it will be the opposite. I will give not only your body, but the entire Philistine army to the birds. When was the matter settled? When David was carrying the head of Goliath in his left hand, still dripping with blood? No. Much sooner. Was it when the stone hit Goliath on the front head? Uh, I, I am aware of the issue in Matthew 16, the rolling stone and the solid rock. Peter is only the rolling stone, a little something. And I don't want to violate the scripture, but it still tells me something that it was a stone that hit Goliath on the forehead. Are you with me? But before that, the word of God was announced. Holy prophecy. Are you with me? And the word of God says, no, the Philistines will be defeated. As I said in the beginning, Chopping off the head of Goliath was an incident, a postscript, a small print of footnote in the history. The real issue was the word of God, the prophecy spoken by, by an anointed king. And it came to pass, it came to pass. So, Ephesians 6.12, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Sometimes it includes a little, but essentially it is not against flesh and blood, 
The fight is spiritual in your forehead, brethren. The issue is the word of the Lord. Always have been, always will be. Now you remember, uh, weeks past I have expressed my concern about spiritualism. Uh, by the way, is there anyone, anyone who has not received this envelope with the basics for in it? I'm willing to give, I have a few extra here. Okay, uh, Penny, I have three envelopes over there. Well, just give it to Leslie. Leslie doesn't have one. And there is another lady in the back. Two ladies. Now, I call these the basic force, but don't underestimate it, brethren. Don't underestimate it, because the conflict is getting tenser and serious and very serious. Have you read that little book in that form? Pearls of Talking to the Dead by Wahlberg. If you haven't, please read it several times because it lists the name of popular mediums on television program and these mediums, good-looking ladies. I, am, I always enjoy watching something that is beautiful, but here, beautiful is dangerous. Are you with me? Because they are meeting felt need. Are you with me so far? Felt need. And this is modern church evangelism is, you know, we fix your car, we fix this, we fix that. That's the way we operate the church. Not us, but some we meet your felt need. The mediums do meet your felt need, but don't listen to them and don't let them feel your need. Know these programs. And that little blue book, the little blue book, Adventists will be deceived because not meeting the standard. That's a fantastic book. I'm not going to preach about it, but I'm simply saying, read it, read it. I cannot do your homework, brethren. I have to do mine, and you have to do yours. Now, a few words about Omega. This book, written by Lewis Walton, is only 96 pages, less than 100 pages. Omega, Lewis Walton. 
In honesty, the book speaks about the orphan. Deadly heresy in the Adventist church at Mrs. White's time, the 1900s. Now, I'm not going to tell all the story, but this book lists historical facts you will enjoy, will help you to understand the cause and effect relationship. Uh, the story almost starts, not quite, January 1900, when Mrs. White was in Kurangong, Australia. But she saw which direction the Battle Creek Sanatorium was going. And she was very much concerned. She was wondering if she will survive this crisis. Uh, Kellogg was an excellent speaker. When he spoke to the congregation, he was crying while quoting Sister White. And then later on, turned against her and says, you are a plagiarist. You are just quoting somebody else. Rejected inspiration. Uh, I have to make the story short. The sanatorium was slipping out of the control of the church. Battle Creek Sanatorium. Mrs. White has written to Dr. Kellogg. He wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen. In spite that he grew up in their home and the Whites helped him to get his doctor's degree. Finally, you know what happened. The sanatorium burned down to the ground. And her advice was, under no circumstances should it be rebuilt. He ignored it. He drew up the plan. Uh, an interesting episode about it is that there was a general conference committee made up of five prominent men to make the decision to rebuild or not to. And from the five, two voted not to rebuild. Three voted to rebuild. And the general conference accepted the minority report. That's a historic something unheard of before. The general conference accepting the minority. And I said, no. Oh, but Kellogg was not such a man as giving up. He says, okay, if you don't print my book, this was the issue, primarily printing his book, The Living Temple. He says, the review has accepted before private jobs, non-Adventist jobs. I will go down to the review, I put in an order on my name, 
and I will pay for it. So the church doesn't have to. He did it, the review accepted it, and they were just about ready to print when the fire came. Now, brethren, two of our largest institutions, two of our largest institutions burned to the ground at the same year. One in the beginning, the other at the end of the year. This is historical fact, historical fact. I don't want to go into details. I wish uh, this book should be in your envelope, so if you can get it, an excellent history book. Why is it? Because the Alpha illustrates the Omega. And you and I will face the Omega deadly heresies. Okay. Uh, I'm not going into mysticism of Kellogg's, Kenwright, Ballinger, Let me summarize the whole story. I, I love this book. It is a good book. I don't know how you love history. I always loved history. And when somebody gives me a good book, I treasure it, reread it. I got it in 1984. That's a long time ago. It was printed in 81. But I got it in 84. Get it if you can. You will not regret it. Just summarizing the alpha apostasy. Deception. Legal, financial, theological deceptions. Number two, divisiveness. Number three, attack on the fundamental belief. If the awful teaching or heresy would have been accepted, everything would have caved in. No investigative judgment, no meaning to 1844, and so on. No. The, a special effort to attract the youth, Special attack on the spirit of prophecy. Uh, attack on the church standard. And claim of a reform message that, oh, reform will come to the Seventh-day Adventist church and so on. Um, that the conflict, the alpha conflict was soul-trying. There were brethren that they said they will sue the church. They go to court not to allow the review to be moved to Washington. The review has to be rebuilt in Battle Creek. It was not, but I'm just simply saying, brethren, the conflict was an all-out conflict. But the real issue was 
in the mind. And I am coming back to the conflict between David and Goliath. The prophetic word foretold what is to come. And there was no power on the face of the earth to oppose it. And let us be loyal to the prophetic word as we have received it and trust it implicitly. Let me say one more thing and uh, probably most of you know this little book. Seventh-day Adventists believe uh, 27 fundamental beliefs. We have now 28, but Originally, it was 27. I am rereading the book. Uh, I have been in the Adventist church for a long time, served as a pastor, but I am rereading it and found it beneficial. Beneficial. Because we are told that you will be sealed when you are settled in the truth intellectually and spiritually so that nothing can shake you out. Nothing can shake you out. If Brother Bodhi kicks me, I hope he doesn't, but if he does, I will not leave the Adventist church, okay? I said, the elder, how can he do this to me? Are you so solidly established in the church that emotionally nothing will take you out? And are you so solidly established intellectually? I wanted to speak about that too, but maybe another time. Brethren, you have to allow me to start a little bit earlier. Okay, look at it, it's almost one o'clock. But please remember Ephesians 6, 12. Our fight is against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the fact that David had a sword in his right hand and he had a cut of head in his left hand was only the postscript. The footnote in small print. But the battle was fought and won before that. Are you with me? Let's be loyal to the word of God. Thank you.